Apple probably does not want any uh, any accolades or any introductions, but just for a quick second, it's just such a bracha to have Rabbi Apfel come and share some words of uh, Torah and Ashkafa with us. He is such a beloved figure to people that have him as a Rebbe. I know this firsthand because when students speak to me, um, first coming back to YU from his shear, they have such a hard time readjusting because it's just Rabbi Apfel, Rabbi Apfel, it's not Rabbi Apfel. So, um it's a really a testament to his uh, his ability to connect to people um, in general and, and to connect through Torah. So with that, Rabbi Atfel, thank you so much again from taking uh, your very busy schedule and, and being with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. A very, very kind. Uh, everything you said, I really appreciate. Um, I want to give a little background to uh, this topic, why I chose this topic. I, I hadn't uh, really conclusively decided to speak about this till uh, sort of a couple of things that happened together and uh, call it hashkacha, call it uh, just, uh, hey, that's a good idea. I don't know, but I decided to do it. Started with a phone call I got from a couple that um, were deciding to start a family and they um, felt that it was a very responsible thing for them to do. They had not done Do Yisharim or any of the pre-getting married uh, avenues for checking their genes. And now they were happily married, and they were going to start a family. They decided the responsible thing to do is to, is to do something to check their genetic uh, makeups and the compatibility of their genes. So they went and they had the test, and, and Baruch Hashem, uh, everything turned out fine. The reason they were calling is that they're a very meticulous couple. I have to say they went well beyond the, what, what I think most people do. And they went to a genetic counselor, even after they got back their results, which were fine, which would have certainly been, I think, enough for me. They went to a genetic counselor who told them, by the way, you know, you only tested for like, I forgot what the number was, 18, 16 things. We have this new test. You could test, you could test for over 500. And, you know, it's a little expensive, right? That became an issue. But, you know, if you really want to cover everything, take this test. So they were calling me for, uh, first I thought it was medical advice. They were, they were calling to ask me about, you know, the, uh, the necessity to do that. But it really wasn't. They, they were asking a hashkafic question. They, they felt like really something inside of them told them they had been responsible, they had done enough. Um, but perhaps to do this would be, I thought, you know, maybe a waste of money. Maybe you know, I had a number of issues with it. But they thought the issue was, it's a chisaron in our bitachon. That's that was where the, the Shiloh was coming. If we take this test and actually look for all those possibilities, is that possibly a chisaron in our bitachon? So I said, well, you know, that's. That's a, an interesting idea. And unfortunately, before I said anything too reactionary to it, they, they told me that a certain Rav had told them that. So I said, oh, okay, let's, let's uh, explore it a little. And um, I started a little bit of a discussion to be talking with them. Then uh, I, I, was mentioning, I was mentioning this earlier, there, there has been a lot of discussion in terms of uh, much to my surprise, uh, in terms of the pandemic and COVID and everything and, and how you approach it, what's your attitude about it? Wear a mask, not mask, vaccines, let it go, you know, just go out there, take your chances. 
So I always thought, you know, I could see in America it's politically related for whatever crazy reason. Uh, for certain people, it's personality related. But some people have been throwing in bitachon in that area too. You know, that if you, if you overdo it with protecting yourself, maybe that's a chisarit in your bitachon. So I, I said, you know, bitachon has been an, uh, a concept, a midah, that has troubled me from the first moment I was introduced to it many years ago. When, when the first Rebbe told me about this concept of bitachon, I had difficulty with it. And that, that's going to be where we're going to start. I'm going to try to explain why I have a lot of problem with the uh, hypothetical problem with the concept of bitachon, purely out of ignorance, and then, and then hopefully develop an understanding of bitachon, understanding of this concept. And it's going to be far from simple and far from uh, uh, unilateral. It's, it's, there's multiple opinions about exactly what bitachon is, and, and uh, it's uh, very kedai to try to understand it. But I'm going to be giving you my personal, my personal reactions to it and, and show how that colored my sort of uh, my travels through this concept. There really are two parts to this discussion. The first part is going to be really to be magdir, bitachon, understand it, define it, exactly what is bitachon. And, uh, and then the second part is going to really be an attempt at uh, application, halacha, like lemaisa. Like, it's not halacha lemaisa, it's kimat halacha lemaisa, it's hashkafa lemaisa. Hashkafa lemaisa on this issue of bitachon. How, how do we really apply it exactly in, in various situations? And we'll, we'll hopefully get to some of those examples in a minute. So uh, I don't know if you guys have the handouts, if you was able to, to get to everybody. You do, great. So I'm starting now um, on the first page. There's, if you look at Tanakh and Tarsh they have much praise for this Midah Bitachon. Bitachon is considered something that's very special, very, very fantastic, right? Just the example I have, just one example from Yirmiyahu. That's, we're all familiar with that line. It's, it's, it's such a bracha for a person to have Bitachon. And the, then Yirmiyahu continues, Then he says, you know, there's a reward, there's an unbelievable reward and profit from having bitachon. If you have bitachon, Adam is always nimshal ke'etz, right? So you'll be like an eitz that is like totally supplied with water, you know, definitively supplied so much so it never fears home, never fears uh, lack of hydration. Aleoranan means the leaves are saturated with water and we'll never have anything to worry about. And that's an incredible, incredible uh, yield from having Bitach. So I want to start with two shilas, two basic things that go back to my early, early days of being introduced to the concept of Bitachon that absolutely bothered me. They, they might seem, I don't know if anyone could uh, appreciate the questions, and they might seem might be courses. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'll hopefully show you that I'm in good uh, company with the Shilohs I'm going to ask. My first Shiloh was, why is Bitachon, which we have not yet defined, laudatory? What, what's so great about it? Why is it, such a, why is it a, considered a mida that's so, so terrific and special? What's great about it? And, and the, what, what I'm asking is, Assuming the simplest of understanding of bitachon, it has something to do with uh, trust and amuna 
and and counting counting on Hagadosh Baruch Hu, uh, that's that's mysterious nefesh. You know, to do that, like, what am I, what am I, what am I doing that merits reward? Like, how how is it like a challenge to me? That's I'm used to schar for accomplishing something that takes effort, and and here's the opposite. It almost is like we're going to see many shitas on bitachon say minimize your shtadlus. The outcome is minimize your efforts, minimize your gashmi efforts for sure, and and just have faith and trust. I never understood when I first was introduced to this concept. It bothered me a lot. I said, why, why is that a laudatory thing? And on top of that, and the related question is, and why, why does it guarantee results? What's the magic here? Just trusting is gonna is gonna guarantee my my outcome to be good. Something like that. that and and uh, that's a basic one-two punch question for Pitaha. So hopefully we're gonna get to some kind of satisfying response to this. Of course, it's going to depend on the definition that a person is finds appealing to some degree. You'll see who's behind all the different shitos of the different definitions. But each definition is going to have a different answer to those two questions I just asked. On top of those two questions, I want to ask one more. One more. This one relates to this week's pet, uh, to the parsha, where famous psukim say, "Ve'yomer Hashem el Moshe ineni mamtir rachem lecha min hashamayim man." We're getting them on. So here's this big nisayon the Klai Yisrael is given of the man. It's special rules. Don't take, take only enough for the day. Don't overtake. And then on Shabbos, take none. And on Erev Shabbos, you'll have double. They're very specific parameters. And Hashem calls this the test. So why is it the test? The obvious question, what is it testing? So Rashi says, you know, very very straightforward. He says, well, the halachas, are you going to be shama these halachas? So a posture way of understanding uh, why it's, you know, the entire Torah is dependent. This is going to be the indicator as to whether you will be able to follow the Torah. This Nisayan of the man. Why? Why is this Nisayan of the man like such a critical thing? So Rashi says, well, are you going to follow these halachas? So a simplistic way of understanding it, which most of the Mepashim don't take, is all right, we'll see, we'll give you a few mitzvahs to see how you do. It's not that at all. Says the Kliyaka are the most explicit, but many others, I have Rav Hirsch on this page, but there's many others that take this malach. The kolzen nemar al midas The real test here is bitacha. That's what it's all about, right? Why? Because, okay, we're going to see, are you going to be able to withstand the temptation to keep some over, just in case the next day you're not going to get? Or you're going to have the bitacha, and Hashem's going to give it to you. Right? That test, right, in Bitachem, that's the key. So here we have question number three. Uh, not only is Bitachem the most laudable, fantastic midah for a person to have, and not only does it guarantee unbelievable positive results, but it's also necessary, a prerequisite for confidence that Klaus will be able to be Torah and be Makabal Shmir Samitzvah. I want to know an explanation for all three of those. Because they, I, I find it, at, at, at first glance, you know, difficult to understand. So what we're going to have to do quickly, is relatively quickly, is now go through the classic, very traditional understandings of Bitochon. And we're going to work our way. I mean, there's going to be a continuum. I'm going to go from sort of the most extreme shitos. And extreme, i.e., gives the most potency to Bitochon, per se. And work our way over to less and less and less. Well, and we'll see where things lay out.
So on the, it's, it's really on the next page of the handout, we see the ones, and this is going to be very conspicuous that in this group that I'm about to mention, these are the most extreme understanding of Bitochon, you'll find Achronim. It's a very, very conspicuous. There's no, uh, although people would argue with me, I, I'll maintain there's no, there's no Rishonim that necessarily hold the view I'm about to say. And certainly no Feirish Gemara that says, what are these Achronim led by the Maharal and the Nefesh HaChayim? And the, and the Chafetz Chaim, very, very uh, solid group, they understood Bitochon in the most absolutely potent sense, which means they understood Bitochon as a amida that if you acquire it, if you really uh, are a person, a Baal Bitochon, you are guaranteed good results. How? The Bitochon itself. Just having the Bitochon itself will guarantee you the good outcome. What is missing? What seems not to be necessary? Zuchuyos. It's not going to relate to your mitzvah, so you're zuchuyos, so you're being a good guy. It's going to be totally related to that unbelievable midah called bitach. So this, this really intensive for this shita is the most difficult for me. And it was actually the one I was introduced to at first. Why should that be? Why I could be, uh, we'll see in a moment. Actually, let's look, at, let's look quickly at what they have to say inside. So on uh, the first page of it, there's the maral. Maral quotes from Mishle. Right? Taken from Mishle, you know, you should be going with Bitachon, but don't, don't count on your, on, on your own uh, intelligence, on your own uh, efforts. But go with Bitachon. And the, and the morale takes this all the way to its natural conclusion. He says, if you have really good Bitachon, right? that Hashem is the one who makes everything happen and he's going to make it happen. And if you have that emistic sense, things are going to work out great. And, and the Nefesh HaChayim chimes in. Similar, similar sentiments, but just emphasizing how pure it has to be, right? And, and here's the out. Obviously, the, these Gedolim knew that life doesn't always turn out exactly the way we want it to be. How do they explain that? So it's always going to be a chisaron Achisaron in the Amuna is going to be the, in the Bitachon, that's responsible. You, you didn't quite make it. If you would have, things would have gone really well. The one who says the most dramatic thing to me is the Chavetz Chaim. In the, on page three, the Chavetz Chaim discusses this in several places, but here, here's one he just got into it um, in the middle of a discussion of something else. And he said explicitly what it was sounding like implicitly to me, the Nefesh Chaim. And the Maharal were getting it. V'da'o, the midas ha-bitachon, ein taloi b'zuchusim. She'afilu hu adam she'enu hagun. Not such a great guy. Ach she'chizak bitachonu ba'ashem, koach ha-bitachon megen alot. U'mishasid imo ha-shem yispara kol kach. And he quotes support, ken kosuv ha-gra, and detraction from the Chobos Lavos. So we're going to see that in a minute. But, it's an amazing thing what the Chavetz Chaim is saying here. He's saying, Mamish, it's an extreme maximalist posture on this. So the, the other is fairly, now the, the Chavetz Chaim is already 20th century uh, saying this. The one who's even more contemporary that I think is in this camp is Rav Asher Weiss. Now this I know from discussion with him. Because I, 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 I had to ask my Balabatish question. You know, it's almost a bush to ask a Gadol a Balabatish question, but sometimes it pays off. Because sometimes Baal questions are not bad. So I said, I'm embarrassed to ask you this. 
But I've always been extremely troubled by the, the laudatory nature of bitachon. Well, and why does bitachon work? What is it a magic? It's like a, it's like, you know, some type of hocus pocus. You say a magic formula, you, you think magic thoughts and things happen. Like, what's the idea? So he gave me a beautiful answer that I think is now puts a little perspective. It helped, it helped me feel that more at ease with the sheet, though, even though this will not be the sheet that I'm most comfortable with at the end of the day. But at least I was able to say a little comfortably and um, uh, feel good about the sheet. What did he say? So Rosh said that, and, and you have to be almost uh, into Hasidus to really appreciate this. And of course, Rav Asher is heavily into Hasidus. So he quoted yeah. several Hasidic Shagdolim that asked my question. So first of all, I didn't feel like such a horrible person anymore. The question was, uh, was not the, the first time that it was entertained. And they basically say the following, you have to understand that there is a mila in life for a Jew just to have a, a connection to a Kadosh Baruch just the Vekos itself. Obviously, we all have to be Shomotar and Mitzvahs and be Tzadikim and do everything and everything. But as an independent value is a connection. That's the emphasis. It's actually a beautiful idea if you think about it. They're not saying be a Russian. <laughs> not being, being, don't be the Adam Shalom Hegon and then have Bitachon as your secret way in. It's just, it, it's what it's emphasizing is the, the connection, the etzem, is something of tremendous value. And that's what Bitachon does. If you're constantly believing with all your heart, and that's really what they emphasize, each and every one of them. If you honestly, honestly believe that Hashem is going to do everything for you and you're going to only have faith in Hashem, you're going to believe in no other koach in the world that's going to create a kesher that's a, an extremely significant one. It's, it's not for everybody, this type of uh, mahalach, but it has its merits. Right? So that's, that's the most extreme sheet on what Bitochon is. It's this idea that the concept of, of uh, recognizing recognizing his power, connecting to it, believing in it, that in itself has merit, and that's Bitochon number one. Now the Chavos Chaim mentioned that the Chavos Levavos didn't necessarily agree with it. So I went looking. It's not an easy thing to find Chavos Levavos. You get, you get to Bitochon, Shah Bitochon, at least you got one Shah to work with. So I was wondering where is he most explicit against this Chavetz Chaim, against the idea, and I think it was the Nakuda about can Bitochon really work for somebody who's not got Tzchusim? That's what the Chavetz Chaim had said. That was his big hitch. So if you look at the, the Chovetz Levavos on page four, Beferish is against it. He Beferish says, when he gives us Akdamos of what's necessary ingredients to, to make this work, so an absolute one is Shmir Samitzvos. He says it this way. An absolute prerequisite, if you want Bitachon to work for you, is you got to be the person, the, the being who you're counting on, who's going to be the, uh, the, per- the, the being that could do everything you need and everything for you. So obviously you can't be bemerit against him. You have to be satisfying what he's asking you to do. It's a chutzpah. It's mamish a chutzpah to start asking HaGadosh Baruch Hu to do all these things and have those expectations and not, and not be somebody who's shomer his mitzvot and doing exactly what he has to say. 
And he says, Right? And that's a very, very beautiful way of expressing it. And really, what the Chobos Lubavos is transitioning us over into is the next level of Bitochon, a different but, uh, definition of Bitochon, one that was championed, and now we're going to go into Rishonim further. Rishonim, the most famous of which is the Ramban, who's going to be somebody who's going to advocate this approach, which is Bitochon needs Chosim. Bitochon is empowered by a person's Sidkus. The greater you are, the greater is the potential bitachon power you have. And without it, you're going to not get the power of bitachon. It shares with the, the previous view, the view of the Ramban, and also the, the, the author of Sefer Amunav Bitochon, which is in the Kisvei Ramban. It used to be attributed to the Ramban, but it's not really the Ramban. Um, um, the name is Rav Yaakov Ben Sheishas, I think is the one who's considered the author of this Sefer, of this piece. He's also a Rishon, lived around the same time as the Ramban. But both of them, and other Rishonim as well, you'll see the Talmud, the Ramban, they all press the following. They agree with the previous approach that Bitachon makes things happen. It guarantees if Bitachon is present, if the, the powers of Bitachon are, are there, it guarantees good outcomes. That it shares with that previous definition. It differs in the Schosim. It differs in the idea that for it to work, it needs to be empowered by mitzvos and sluyos and not doing others. And that there's a limit. You, you have to have enough to, for, for the amount of chasadim you want, you have to have enough zechusim uh, to, to warrant it. So he says it like this to Ramban, very famous Ramban in Dukhukosai. When they are shleimim, that's how he starts off the whole discussion. When, when Yisrael was shalim, they're not going to need a doctor. They don't need anything. It's like Kiganeidim, right? When the, when Yisrael are Shlemim and they have Bitachon, right? The two things together, they will not need to use any type of Hishtadlus for medicine, for, for food, for hydration, for all their needs. All their needs are going to be met. Ke'ilu, it's like it's like Gan Eden. It sounds like to me. And the Chain Hayu at Sadikim Osim Bismana Nevuah. It's a very very important line that he that the Ramban threw in, and that's the way it was in the in the in the epoch of Nevuah. The Sadikim had this ability to just you know sit back passively and good things happen. And uh, the uh, the, the possibility that you'll see a tzaddik veralo or anything like that, the answer, shema yigram achet, right? And this is how you explain the avos. Why were the avos uh, sometimes Yaakov? Why were they sometimes looking uh, the pachad when we would think they should have bitachon, right? Because shema, they, they were worried, shema yigram achet, because it in, is empowered and requires uh, that type of schos to be operative. Now, again, this, this does share, right, this second approach does share a guaranteed outcome. If you have, right, that's what the, both the Ramban and the Sefer Amunah Bitochon, they end with, they say like this, If you, if it weren't for this fear of possibility of chet, and everything was in the ideal, for a person to then do things of Ishtadlus, 
would be a chisaron in them. The way some of the people talk bismanenu, we'll have to see. <clears throat> they certainly seem to be connecting it to a certain era, to a certain type of behavior, to a certain type of person. <clears throat> so we have two approaches that, again, what they have in common, why they go first, is these are the ones that most troubled They troubled me because, number one, they were guaranteeing good outcomes for I wasn't sure what. What was it about this pitacha? Now, the first approach is, you know, Lagamre was mystifying. At least the second approach begins to bring in some zechuyos. But both of them squelch hishtadlus. Hishtadlus, meaning for us to make human efforts, seems to be a chisaron at best, necessary because of a bearers. <clears throat> so I was like, you know, I, I, I guess I'm a maximalist when it comes to hishtadlus by nature. I'm really into hishtadlus. I was very troubled. And then I saw of Nevinsol, you know, and again, I'm thinking of myself, there's something wrong with me. Why am I troubled by something that everybody accepts and everybody's comfortable with? What, I, where, what's missing in my DNA or my, my, my neshama? Like I was quite, quite disturbed until I saw a piece of Rav Nevinsol. And Rav Nevinsol asked exactly my kasha. So I felt a lot better. He asked it in the context of also the six parsha when Moshe says, you know, there they are, they're trapped before Kriyas Yamsuf and the Mitzrayim are behind them and, and they're, they have nowhere to go. So, so Rav Nevinsol asks beautifully, he says, I, I, I'm going to paraphrase, he doesn't say it the, the chutzpah way I'm about to say it, but I want to dramatize it. What, Moshe, are you crazy? What are you talking about? How could you irresponsibly say to them, Al-Tirau, there's a lot to be afraid of. Uh, not only does it seem not laudable to have that attitude, I, I would say it seems dangerous, foolish, irrational to say to a people that are <coughs> looking like they're about to get killed, don't worry, everything will be fine. So in, in almost as chutzvedic terminology, actually, if I read the words, you'll see what I mean. <coughs> Rav Nevinsol asked this question. What is he saying? What? What are these sedating, these comforting words? What is he doing? So the tshuva is the answer that really set me straight. And to me, is a very important So not everybody agrees to, but I, for me, it's very, very appealing. But Nevinsol says this is a very easy answer to this shayla. What's going on is Moshe had a haftach. Moshe had Hashem's promise. Hashem made a promise to us. And it's that haftacha that is when it allows and powers totally makes this bitachon operative. And then Ram Nevinsol goes on to say, it goes further than that. It doesn't, the bitachon doesn't only get empowered by the haftacha, it, but it becomes a mitzvah, a tzivoy, a chiyuv. Once there's a haftacha from Gadosh Baruch Hu that 
go and not be afraid, right? The Torah has a very famous mitzvah by Milchama in general. You're not allowed to be afraid. What do you mean? I'm not allowed to be afraid. How could, how could you uh, legislate fear and anxiety? How could you possibly do it? Well, you can when you have a guarantee from the Baruch Hu that everything is going to be okay. If Hashem says, then the expectation is that you have that bitach. And this, of course, is very palatable to even the Western biased mind of my, like, like mine. In other words, this, this is very, very easy to understand. And then Rav Nevensel says, it's not just nevuah and bitachon that allows for this, but referencing really implicitly the Ramban and what we saw earlier, Sidkus does it too. If you're, the way he puts it, he says like this, he says, first of all, it becomes a chiyav when Hashem gives a And then, by the way, when you don't have what he calls a basis mutzak, which means a found, a very solid foundation as to have the bitachon, it becomes, by the way, asr. It becomes something you have to, then, when then, comes into play, and you have to, then you have to be nizhar from what you're doing and worry about the sakhamas. He says, but if you have a basis mutzak, then you're chayiv to have the bitachon. Then you are expected to. What is the basis mutzak? So one is through a navi, but the other one he says the heder nevua. When you don't have nevua, yechola hahalicha b'derach Hashem. If you really are confident that you're a person that uh, is basically a tzaddik, and you're going to follow everything Hashem says, if you're like in that kind of position, you could also also uh, manifest this type of bitach. Okay, so you know it's interesting, but um, once Rav Nevinsol says this, he opens up the door for something. He opens up the door for historical understanding. And I remember Rav Aaron Lichtenstein once wrote a beautiful article about Bitachon, uh, where he, he made a big deal out of this. There is a historical chronology to Bitachon. The Bitachon era of Nevua and Sitkus was a previous era. Now, we don't have Nevua, that's for sure. And it's, it will see that there aren't too many of us that could have the, the uh, I won't say gaiva, let's say if this person's really a tzaddik, who have the self-understanding of their sitkos, that they could feel confident that they merit this type of bitach. We'll see in a minute that it's not all or nothing. It could be that they're gradations. But um, the new era calls for possibly a new understanding. If you see that we don't have the haftach, we don't have the nevua, and we don't have uh, the guarantee that things are going to work out the way you want the bitachon to make them work out, so then it calls for a new understanding. So the first very famous uh, author of a new understanding was the Chazonish. Chazonish is on the next page, very, very famous shita of his, but not completely, I think, understood. Uh, if you, a lot of people read the first paragraph, which is over here, on page six, but you got to read the rest of the Munabitach, the rest of the Sefer, to see how he elaborates on it, because it's not as straightforward at first as it seems. The, the Chazanish says the following He says he thinks it's a great mistake for people to, and I'll just say this in the era of not having Haftachos, not having Nevuah, not having guarantees, he calls it a Ta'ut Noshenis, the Lev Rabin, the Musag Bitach. They think bitachon is a guarantee that things are going to be good. And it's just not going to be that. There is no guarantees. We don't have nevuah, so we don't know. And this is that's what the Russian uses. We don't know if things, how they're going to work out. 
things could work out for the good, things could work out not so good. That's reality, says the Hazanish. So, so that's not Bitachan. Bitachan doesn't mean it's always going to be good. So what is it? So Bitachan, he says, which definitely requires elaboration, is a very simple idea that's extremely complex. He says, it's the understanding that everything that happens is Bashkar. Everything that happens is Biyad Hashem. That is true contemporary. Our first example of contemporary Bitachan is to have that that solid understanding that everything, everything is Yad Hashem. But not necessarily is it going to be for me in this temporal world here and now necessarily good. So what, what does this do for you? So the Chazanish really highlights two, two uh, sort of nafkaminas from this understanding of Bitachan. Number one, he says, is a, it's a sort of menucha sanefesh. And then he, he says, if you really believe this, and if you honestly, honestly understood that everything that happens to you in life is biyad Hashem, and you, and you hold on to that belief, so it will take away your pacha. It will take away your anxieties. Because you're going to say to yourself, look, I, I, uh, I know this is not necessarily an, a, a necessarily positive outcome for me right now, but if it's Ratzon Hashem, it's got to be okay. And therefore, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work with it. And then he says, but you do, you do need to, like, now, according to this Mahaloch, have some Hishtadus. But it's interesting, the Hishtadus that the Chazanish talks about is totally in Ruchnius, which is Nafkamina number two. The Chazanish, as opposed to some others that we'll be seeing later on, he says that once you're aware of the fact that everything that's happening is Bashkach, so not only does it give you Menuchas HaNefesh, but it also makes you realize that the, the way to impact on the Xerus HaMelech, whatever it will be, the only way, the best way to deviate it towards you is through Ruchmus. So he says that, it's on the bottom of the page. He says, Instead of going after uh, human wow. methods of Ishtadlus, which are tachbolos shav, which are like not worth anything. That's what you got to do. You want the gzeros to work out in your favor, so you got to like do tshuva. You got to be mispalo. You got to do that type of ishtabs. This has a tremendous nafkemina. The chazanish is very interesting when it comes to this. Is an aside. The Maisa, he's very true to this episode. When he discusses, uh, I, if you look through his Sefer with his Mechtavim, he gets a lot of letters about people asking, should they bother going to the doctor? You know, should I, is it, is it Kedai for me to go to the doctor? Is it Chisarin in my Bitochon? And he, of course, says, no, you got to go to the doctor. But realize all a doctor's doing is a sophisticated tefillah. And it's probably better to just be Mispalo regular because the doctor doesn't do anything. Right? He's a big emphasis on that. He doesn't believe that that type of ishtadlos through derech kateva necessarily is what counts. What's going to count is this ruchnius ishtadlos. Okay, so we have three approaches at the moment. We have the first extreme approach of the Maharal, the Nefeshachai, the Chulei, that Bitochon itself, just as a principle, just as a, as a belief, as a trust, can make great things happen. We have, but you got to do it completely. If things don't work out, it's because you must not have had that complete bitachon. Then we have the Ramban, that other approach, I'll quote the approach of the Rishonim, 
which is the Rove approach, where the idea is Bitachon does guarantee results if, if you have the right Tzichuyos, if things are done through Tzitkos, if it's a Certainly, Al Yidei Haftacha and Nevuah, both of those can on Haftacha and Nevuah, both those approaches. And now we have the Chazanish, who's famous for the third approach. And people usually stop here. People usually say, all right, these are the three main approaches. But I think that there's a fourth. And, uh, and it's, it's one that um, I, I, I first was exposed to by Ravar Lichtenstein, but I, I, I like to play it up. It so appeals to me, this fourth approach, that I'm going to play it up even more than I think that he did, uh, although I, I give him the discovery. It goes like this, but uh, there, for, before we get to Ravaram's piece, um, I noticed there's a Gemara, there's a, you know, what about Shas Pavli? You're talking about Rishonim and Achronim telling me, explaining to me about what Bitochon is. What about in the Bavli? Is there like a, a Gemara source that could make this, you know, as a starting point? Why didn't I start with the Gemara? Part of the reason I didn't start with the Gemara, there's a lot of ambiguity to the, to the sugyas that are available. Some of the Midrashim talk about it, but those are ambiguous. People learn it in, in the opposite directions. And then there's, this, there's a couple of uh, famous Gemaras. So as, I'm going to use one as an example because it opens up to me a Chakira in the, in, in the Gemara that opens up that I think, Ravan didn't mention this in this context, but I think it's an opening for what he's going to introduce us to. So the Gemara is a very famous Gemara in Brachos and Samach. It's, I'm going to read it inside. Tana Rabbanan, Maise Behilel Azakim. He's coming on his way home and he hears screaming in the city. Amar Muftach Ani I'm positive. There's no way that horrible screaming, which connotes something bad, there's no way that's coming from my house. That's not happening. He had tremendous bitach. That's the idea. The Allah Vakasuv Omer Mishmuara Lo Yira Nachal Nibo Batuch Basha. Right? That 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 uh, mm-hmm. Pasuk basically, you know, it's from Tehillim. The Pasuk says that something. What it seems to say, Pashib Shad is that from a, a bad tiding, he'll never be afraid. The one who has bitach. So it comes along Rav and he says, an interesting uh, puzzle. I can read it frontwards or backwards, right? He says, You could do it both directions. So what is he talking about? So Rashi says, yeah, in either direction, you come up with the same pshat. What's that pshat? The pshat is classic, classic Ramban. It's, if you're a great tzaddik, right? That's what they're throwing in. And therefore, you have bitachon. You'll, you'll, nothing bad's gonna happen, right? And that's the pshat. Comes along the Rashba, who's on the bottom of the page over there, and I'll say it outside. But the Rashba says that's not pshat. The Rashba, and this is also Tosafot and the Ravid, they have a much different pshat. They say no, Adarabah. It's not that the two ways are the same pshat. These are two ways that give you alternative pshatim. Elu ve'elu, both of them could be correct. What are the two pshatim? So the first pshat says the Rashba like this. When you read Mereshe Lesefer, you read like this. What's the reason for that the person, the tzaddik, will not be afraid of a Shmura? He has Havtacha and he's a tzaddik. Both. You need both because that's Ramban, right? 
That was like Rashi's one shot. So frontwards, if I read the puzzle, the drush is the typical, if you have a tzaddik, you'll have good bitachon and things are going to work out, you'll never be afraid. Misefe the reshe has a different shot. Ein kan haftacha le tzaddik, ilakach amar David amelech alavashalam, adam shehu nachanu boteach vashem, a person who is nachon and is kapitachon, Eino yira mishmura. He will never fear shmura. Now, the first inclination is like, who? Who does this sound like? The chazonish. Sounds very much like the chazonish. A person who has bitachon, and if you define it like the chazonish, it means you believe everything's bashkacha and, and Hashem controls all. So you're never going to be afraid. You're never going to be afraid. Why are you not going to be afraid of the shmura? Because you know, even a shmura is ratzon Hashem. And maybe you're, it's, it's an Olam Haba thing. Maybe it's a perspective thing. We don't understand why it's good now, but it's going to be good some other time. Well, however you want to understand the Chazanish, you know, there's various ways people interpreted what he meant, that Hashkacha is, is kind of like uh, calming, that the fact that it's Hashkacha makes me calm. It's just the fact that I, you know, uh, have no fears uh, from the fact that Hashem is in control. It's not Afkeros, right? Mikra, Mikra is something that brings Pacha. If something's, you know, out of control, happenstance, bikari, right? Then I'm going to be afraid. Then that's what leads to anxiety. But if things seem under control, then I won't be afraid. So that's one pshat. But another pshat is the following. It occurred to me, or the Fianist idea. I say another pshat is like this. If you have bitachon as about to be defined, right? And I, I only got, Shining the Skmara after I had this fourth definition. If you have the bitachon that we're about to learn from uh, Ravan Lichtenstein and the, actually the, the Kata Kemach is really where he gets it from. If you have that type of bitachon, it's not, it's not that everything's going to turn out okay. It's not that um, you're going to have a perspective on things you just don't understand why this terrible thing is really done. It's nothing like that. It's that However the outcome in, uh, however the outcome is, is tough now. It doesn't need to be good. It doesn't, uh, it, it could be good, it could be bad, but it's tough filled to the bitachon. What do I mean by that? So let's, let's understand this other type of bitachon. And we'll come back and explain that pshat. The Kandal Kemach, who gave initially, he quotes Rabbeinu Yonah, and he gives the same Rishonim kind of shita that we saw in the Ramban. He then adds the following. The old Meinyan Abitachon Shiim Sir Adam Nafsho Al Hashem Yisbarach Betia Machshavaso Meshotetes Tamid Bedavarze Ilu Hayu Ba'im Lahargov Oshiyavro LaTorishu Moser Atzma LaMisa. All these horrible things come to you. If somebody was trying everything in the world to get you to 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 do a Chilu Hashem, or they're coming to Mamish kill you. So, What does bitachon mean within this context of the, of the Kavakemach? Unbelievable shot. And Ravar, and I have, I have his piece where he, he describes, I don't read it because he describes it beautifully. There's one line that is the most gishmak line in the world. Obviously, this approach has completely different meaning. It does not attempt to scatter the clouds of misfortune, try to raise expectations, or strive to whitewash a dark future. 
He does not claim that everything will work out for the best, either individually or nationally. On the contrary, it expresses a steadfast commitment. Even if the outcome will be bad, we will remain reliant on and connected to HaKadosh Baruch. We will remain faithful until the end and shall not exchange our trust in Hashem for dependence on man. This approach does not, here's the Gishmak line, this approach does not claim that Hashem will always remain at our side. Rather, it demands of us to remain at his side. That's Gishmak. You know what Bitachon is? Bitachon means is your Avas Hashem. And that's the word we're looking for. Your Avas Hashem is on such a madrego. Your connection, this is like a little reminiscent of Rav Asher's Hasidah concept, but goes beyond. Your commitment and Avas Hashem is so great your, your desire to be on that team is so solid, the, the outcome, the Tov becomes something that's not uh, at the forefront of your, of your thinking and certainly not what's going to be the determining factor that you are an Oev Hashem or that you are somebody that has this type of bitachon. Now, this is not a popular approach. It puts all the onus on the person. You have to develop this incredible Avas Hashem. It's an amazing madrega to say, Hashem, no matter what happens to me, no matter what, I'm, I, it could be bad. It could be horrible things. My love for you is so great, it's not going to be touched. It's not going to wilt. The Chobos Levavos, when he talks about uh, the Shara of Avas Hashem, speaks about a very, very similar idea. And he says over there, he says, that it's ad kidekach ki ima avautrach vesimchabach, it's domel mashinemar by Eov, hen yikteleni lo eachem. Right? It means that no matter what happens to me, it's like Eov says this, and, and the word lo, it's a whole uh, Mishnah, I think, in Sota, if I'm not mistaken, or Suva, so Sota, I'm forgetting right now. A very famous Mishnah where it's lo with a vav or lo with an aleph when it says lo eachem. So it's a machlokis over there, whether it's Yiras Hashem that Yis, that you have had or Avas Hashem. So the winning sheet, I think, is Avas Hashem that he's displaying. And that's certainly what the Chobos Lavavos is displaying for him, that this is the ultimate in Avas Hashem. And the way Rav Aaron uh, relates to that line is, though he may slay me, still I will trust in him, expresses an amazing trust in Hashem, not as a function of what I can receive from him, but rather as trust in him. This trust is unconnected with what one may get out of the relationship, but describes simply a connection to HaKadosh Baruch. The source of everything, the foundation of all else, is predicated, according to the Nishma, on love, pure love, pure Avas Hashem. That's the key. Now, what, where else do we, we have such a, a notion? This is a, right, ABCs of uh, Antigonus, Yishsucha and Pirkei Avos, and the Rambam takes it and he incorporates all this into the 10th parak of Hillel's uh, Tshuva, where he describes this incredible madrega of Abba Hashem that also, for no other reason, with no other considerations, no other fears or concerns other than pure Abba Hashem. Then the Rambam, in, in many places, gives you the, the tools and the key to develop. How do you develop? There's a great madriga, but it means so much, dafka, dafka, if you achieve it. If you can achieve it, 
it, it puts bitachon in a whole new light. It means that no matter what, I'm going to have my connection and my avas Hashem, no matter what happens. It's something that uh, is a very all-empowering concept. How do you get it? So the Rambam tells you in, in the Yad, through you know, being in awe and looking at the amazing universe of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he tells you in Sefer Mitzvahs by learning his Torah in depth and understanding the amazing uh, treasure trove of Torah, and in every single facet of every mitzvah, and then the the Dveikus Tochachamim, he has all this theme returns and returns and returns. All of these things geared up to develop in a person this capacity to do something that is extremely challenging. Maybe it's a it's a once in a lifetime achievement to develop an avas Hashem to the degree that it's all consuming and doesn't now uh, need any other notion of reward as an impetus for it. Okay, so. This is the end of part one. Um, I want to, uh, we have a much less time to do the second part, which is fine. We're going to do it much quicker, but I want to just recap quick. So we saw in terms of the background to Bitachon and being Magdira to understand what it is. Bitachon has had many definitions over the course of history. It starts with, um, really starts with the, the Rishonim, understood it as something that was related to Sitkos, uh, Nevua, Haftacha, where there'll be a guarantee, it becomes a chiv to habitacha. The merit of bitacha means that it's almost like an indicator that you're a person with great zechusim, that you deserve to have the bitacha. But the way it operates is it's guaranteed as long as you're not doing averus. Then later, but a more extreme version of bitacha is developed by the Maharal, by the Nefeshachayim, by um, the Chafetz Chaim, by Rav Asher Weiss, I think is actually favors this approach, is the idea that Bitochon itself, even the big Chiddush is even, by, even in the hands of a, an Adam Shiloh Hagam, even somebody who's not such a great person, the Chlau, it still has this power just to make that connection, just to make that connection. And then there's the Chazonish who understood Bitochon as something that just uh, is an indication of awareness that yeah, there's no guarantees, unlike the first two approaches, that things are going to go well, things might not go well, but nevertheless, that somehow rots on Hashem. And then this most fourth approach, the Kad HaKemach is the one we'll really give credit to. The Kad HaKemach, uh, which is then developed a lot by Ravaron, is this idea that Bitochon means I'm so Ba'ava Hashem and I'm so uh, genuine in my Ava that I'm not even thinking of consequences. Consequences become tafel. And the commitment of bitachon, this is the one, the reason it appeals to me is, this is a real laudatory midah in itself. Why is it so laudatory? Because to get it, to have it, you have to have uh, developed for yourself a relationship with the Kadosh Baruch Hu that's a true love relationship in the, in the way the Rambam describes it so dramatically and poetically like uh, in, in his yad. It's just an amazing thing. To develop that is a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment. And that, to me, explains best why the Mida is on such a high, lofty level. But comes along Ram Nevinsal and, and, uh, and many others, and they say, what about Lemais? Now, now we have all this background and understanding of uh, the concept of Bitochah, but Really, the challenge is the following. He quotes Mesil Shisharim, and he quotes the idea that life is one big milchamos, nisionos, 
from beginning to end. Everything's an Nisayan, says Mesil Shishar, right? Everything. You could have an Nisayan of, of being poor. You could have an Nisayan of being an Ashir. You could have an Nisayan of things going well or things not going well. Each one's really an Nisayan. Nisayan for us to handle Kiratzon Hashem, everything that we encounter. Says, says Rav Nevensal, then the biggest Shiloh for us becomes how to balance the Bitachon we're supposed to have with the Hishtadvos that we need to have. And the way, the way Rav Aaron fine-tunes the, the Kasha, he says, it's not about being totally passive or needing to act. It's how do I work the ratio? What's, what's it's, it's like a, almost a halachic stop. How should one handle the various challenges in their life, parnasa, uh, getting married, raising children, with hishtados and bitacha? How much, when am I going too far on one part of that cheshmer? So, so it's interesting, there's a Gemara Nida that's really fascinating, that starts to reveal yeah. shitos. The Gemara there asks, Adam what do you have to do to get rich? So the Gemara says, the Gemara, the very, very common Girsa says, Amar lehen, yir We'll do a lot of business. If you do a lot of business, you'll get rich. And then the Gemara says, bemuna, be an honest business person. So Amrulo, Harbei Asukain, many people did a lot of business, were very honest, then it didn't work. So really, this is a very reasonable contemporary approach. You want to get rich. It's a combination. It's a combination of going to business, work hard, also uh, do business honestly, and then have bitachon and be mispalo. You got to like combine all of them. Says the Gra, he removes, he removes the yirbe b'schol out, girsa. It is girsa. That's not one of the considerations. The Gra, as we heard before, is a maximalist on Ishtadus. Halacha And he has this in several places. The Vilna Gon, uh, it, it surprised me a little, but ultimately not, because it, if you lived like the Gra, you know, it's very easy to imagine your life being one where the bitachon to hishtadus ratio is a very, very high one, if not over zero in terms of the hishtadus, because he was a kulo, kulo, ruchnius human being, and he could even depend, probably, and there are yechidim like this, on the approach of the Ramban and that other approach, where if you're confident you're tzitkus enough, not in, obviously in a gaivadik way, but in a self-awareness way, your bitachon levels go up tremendously. And that's the trend that we're going to see amongst the people that are weighing in on this. It's interesting, you know, like the, the, there's a story about the, uh, the Briskarov that it was uh, during the Holocaust and he was in Warsaw and there was a food shortage. So it was almost Yom Kippur. It was like Ches uh, Tishrei. He held over some uh, food for tests because he knew it was a mitzvah to eat on Erev Yom Kippur. So he, he held over. The day right before he was going to sit down to eat on, on Erev Yom Kippur, one of his Talmidim come running in. You're not going to believe this. I had, I had held, I had purposely got the best food for a Rebbe, these fine fish. And on my way over, uh, a bomb or a projectile came by and exploded the fish. So what was the Grizz's reaction? I knew I should have shown more bitach. Right? I shouldn't have kept over, like it sounds like Daman, right? I knew I shouldn't have kept over the extra food and should have relied that Hashem would provide. 
we, I don't think most of us can uh, display that type of thing. But someone on that madrega can, and that was certainly the approach to the Gra. That was also the Chachmeha Muster. Novartic is the most famous for this sheet, though. This is a contemporary sheet, though, that's out there, where they felt if you could hit that level of, of uh, that madrega of both Bitachon, that's absolute, and thorough and complete, then you could do it. The Chafetz Chaim was not far away from advocating a complete bitachon approach, but we're all we're all familiar with the Mishbur when the the, the Shulchan Aruch mentions the different things that we say in the morning, the other Amiros, so the Akeda, the and the Man. So the the Mishbur says, why are we saying Parsha Saman? Why are we saying it? So very very famous, and, and many people are very mocked on this. Kedeshi Yamin Shekom Mizonosa Bind Ashkachas Pratis. Mamish, like the man's bitachon message is one we should have every day. Riboy Ashtados doesn't add much. And instead, you'll be okay. So that's Kim'at, uh, this extreme shita. The only word, there's a key word there that I think modifies it a little. Riboy Ashtados. That's what the Chavetz Chaim begins to introduce that we're going to see others follow along. This idea of Rebo Ishtadlus. He We need Ishtadlus, but we need only a little bit of Ishtadlus. Too much Ishtadlus is going over the line. That's a Chisaron in Yubitach. So Rav Asher Weiss, he has, uh, in his, he has a sefer called Muna Bitach so, so he, in it, he tells an interesting story to, to demonstrate this idea. He said there was uh, the Tzadik Rebbe Zusha, who was giving like some kind of, uh, he was teaching Torah, or he was teaching Hasidus to his Hasidim, and they were starving. You know, day after day, they weren't eating much. So they said, you know, there's this very rich guy who could just supply us the food. Can't we ask him? And he's trying to teach them about Bitacha. So he says, Rebbe, but don't, don't you have to have some Ishtablos? It's not the, it's not the era of Haftacha anymore. So he says, you're right. You need some Ishtablos. So he goes, runs out, goes to the rich guy's house, touches the doorknob, and comes back. Clearly without anyone knowing he was there. So, says Ravash, he says, so, for whatever, it's the, it's the, the sod shamayim, for some reason, we need some ishtadus. Whatever it is, there's, there's a reason, but it doesn't necessarily mean our kind of ishtadus, so the type that we're going to be moving over to. It's just enough to do something. This, uh, this idea is really uh, brought out, uh, interestingly, uh, in, in many, many uh, interesting contexts. But some people attribute it to Rav Moshe Feinstein, that he held that, that kind of ratio. But I, I think clearly not. And the Raya is one of his most famous tshuvos, is, is uh, the life insurance tshuva. He was asked, the Chavetz Chaim, by the way, said you shouldn't get life insurance, it's concerned in a moon, and bitachon. That's, that's a famous uh, rumor about the Chavetz Chaim. I've never seen it in print, B'Shem the Chavetz Chaim, but he's quoted that way. Rav Moshe Feinstein was asked, is it a problem of time, is, is it a problem of Timimos or, or Bitachon to take out life insurance? So he answers, Ein bezeh shum chisaron b'bitachon b'shem isvarach, v'hu u'bechol inyane mischar, sh'adam l'orak sh'rashay ilagam b'chuyiv l'asos mischar. So he says, no, we got to do real hishtabas. We have to do some 
not just touch door hishtadlos, but it's it's it, you're about gaiva if you think you could be somech on and that you can expect that type of bitachon. These manenu we're not going to get. You need to do some kind of hishtadlos. Does that mean carte blanche? That's it. Is Rav Moshe saying the hishtadlos the gamre? You worry about bitachon another day. Maybe you'll pick up that the, the kada kemach type of bitachon. So no, he's very very careful. And in this tshuva, which is all in this handout, he goes into it in depth. And I'll give you the bottom line. What he says is very much the opening of a tremendous hashkafic debate between, I would say, Rav Soloveitchik and Rav Moshe Feinstein. Rav Moshe Feinstein says, yes, because of because of the klala, we are chayiv to do some ishtadus. And we're just not in Gan Eden anymore. And we're going to have to do something. But he says the challenge now becomes not to overdo it. And he, and he says, um, uh, he answers a question that I had had on, on the opening Kleyakar that we had. I, I didn't ask it before, but I, I meant to. When Kleyakar tells me that Bitochan is the litmus test for Kabbalah Satora and Kabbalah Shemir Samitzvah, that it really is the thing. I, I did ask it. I said, why? Why is it? Why is Bitochan this mida that? So Rav Moshe's tshuva here answers it. Because he says like this, the, real, the reality is we need to do some ishtadlos to, to, to have food on the table. The question is how far you go with it. Do you go over a line of necessary ishtadlos into one that will interfere with all the ruchni's pursuits that we're really primarily chayev to be doing? We are supposed to be learning Torah as much as possible. We are supposed to be involved in chesed and mitzvot as much as possible. If you overdo and overestimate your hishtadlus needs, that's where you're going to suffer. That's pshan and the kliyaka. Kliyaka is saying that's hayelach v'tarasiyim low. Why? Because if you're somebody who doesn't have bitachon and you're overemphasizing hishtadlus to the expense of bitachon, you're never going to make it as a bentah. The only... And I'd say this is probably the das that is the, the, the majority opinion in terms of the ultimate approach to Bitochen and Hishtadlos, with one opening for a possible difference. And this will end with this. Rav Soloveitchik has a very famous essay called The Lonely Man of Faith. And in it, he is very much emphasizing uh, the idea of majesty. Majesty means that there is a drive within everybody to, to accomplish things, uh, dignity, kavod, by perfecting this world, right? Tikkun olam in the, in the most truest literal sense, to, to be able to have indoor plumbing, to be able to, to reach the, the planets and to fly and to do all those things. That's an achievement of majesty and dignity. So says the Rav, this, this achievement is not only for, for, for Bnei Adam or Bnei Noach, it's for all of us, including the Jews. This is the Bechidish of of the Rav in this essay, right? This is perhaps where the Hashkafic debate occurs. He says, if you believe that that is a chiv of ours, so he gives the following definition for bitachon. The doctrine of bitachon is not to be equated with the folly of the mystical doctrine of quietism. What does that mean? When it's in its extreme form, which is like the Maharal, exempts man from his duty of attending to his own needs and lets him wait in holy idleness and indifference for Hashem's intervention. This kind of repose is wholly 
contrary to the repose which the halacha recommends, one which follows human effort and remedial action. Man must first use his own skill and try to help himself as much as possible. Then and only then, man may find repose and quietude in Hashem and be confident that his effort and action will be crowned with success. The initiative, says the halacha, belongs to man. You start, the hishtadlus is the initiative, the successful realization. It's not like the Rav denies bitachon and hashkachon. That belongs to Hashem. So it's a very, very fascinating thing. There are two reasons to disagree with Rav Salvechik on this yesod. One is to believe that Klai Yisrael has the responsibility of Mamleches Kohanim V'goy Kadosh. And once there was Matan Torah, that takes the, the Kishua, the, the Adam One responsibilities away from us. And we're not part of that world. We're just a Melechus Kohanim Goy Kadosh. If you're a Melechus Kohanim Goy Kadosh, you're definitely going to take the approach that was offered by Rav, Rav Moshe Feinstein. Second, even if you do accept the approach of Rav Soloveitchik, that we too are involved in that, every person's got to make the cheshbon for themselves. Are they really working and being his shtadlus to, to make the world a better place? Are they really doing the types of majesty the Rav's talking about, or are they simply trying to make more money? And that perhaps is one of the greatest nisyonos of the generation is, is curbing your hishtadlus when it itself is not a pursuit of ruchnis. The way the Rav describes the pursuit of dignity is a ruchnis pursuit because it's ratzon Hashem. That itself. That is, is something that is easy to understand as being in the realm of permissible hishtadlus. But if hishtadlus falls into a pursuit of luxuries and money and and that type of lifestyle. Very, very questionable that there's any sheet that, that would uphold. Thank you so much for letting me go uh, over time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for sticking with me to the end there, you guys. Anybody have any Thank questions you, before signing out? You're welcome. To. <coughs> All right, Peseder. All right. <laughs>